Father, Father, thank you for the privilege of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Father, thank you that we have a divine relationship, one that was not earned but was given by grace. Because it is a gift of grace, God, even on the days where we don't feel like it, we still get to worship. Even in those seasons where we fall time and time again, we still get to worship. And God, even in those moments where we don't know the words to say, and it seems too hard to reach towards you, God, you, you dwell with us by your spirit. So Lord, I, I pray today that you would do exactly what the song says and receive our worship. Here we are, Lord, and here you are. We stand before you as children before a good, good father. May we feel the love that you have for us right now. God, I pray for every brother and sister in this room, every one of us who needs to be reminded that we are yours, that we belong to you, that you love us with an everlasting love, that we are blessed beyond measure, that there is a God who loves us in such a way that he gave his son Jesus to die for us. That same Jesus right now sits at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. The enemy speaks lies about us, but God sees us through the person and work of Jesus. So we are saved today. We are set free today. We are the children of God today. Even when it doesn't feel like it, we can declare, I'm my daddy's child. Thank you, Lord. Didn't have to do it, but you did. Receive our worship today, Father. Father, as we come to this moment of preaching, we pray that you would take this one word and divide it a few hundred different ways so that each and every person in this room, each and every person watching online, those who will hear this sermon in days, weeks, and months to come, that each of them would know that you're speaking directly to them. There is a word of invitation to each of them, and there is a word of challenge for each of us. Grow us into the men and women of God you've called us to be. So again, thank you, Lord, that we get this privilege of worship together. Be our honored guest today. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people say together, amen, amen, amen. Good morning, sanctuary. It is an honor and a privilege to have this time to be with you today and to share in this way in today's worship service. Uh, my name is Edrin, senior pastor here at the sanctuary. If I have not had the chance to uh, shake your hand, give you a dap, give you a hug, yet I do look forward 
uh, to having that opportunity soon. We are grateful to have you all with us today, uh, especially those for whom this is their first time. We pray that this service will be a blessing to you and that you will uh, continue to come back and be a part of what God is doing here at the sanctuary. If you are, uh, if you've been with us, rocking with us for a while, um, thank you for being here as well. There are a bunch of places that you could uh, be today. There's this weird orange thing up in the sky, and it's giving off warmth um, outside. Um, we don't see it very often this time of year, and, and you still chose to be in church. God's going to bless you big time uh, this week uh, for being here when you could have been outside doing whatever Minnesotans do when it gets above 20. Uh, but for all of you, we, we really are grateful that you're here with us. We, we don't take it for granted that you continue to worship with us each week, and, and we pray that this service would indeed be an incredible blessing uh, to all of you. Um, we, we just wrapped up uh, last Sunday uh, a month of prayer here at the Sanctuary Covenant Church. Were, were you all blessed by our month of prayer this year? Amen. A couple of you. Some of you maybe still be praying. That's, that's why. The, the applause is so tepid because you're still praying and you're like, I just don't want to leave that month of prayer, Pastor. Um, but we, we certainly do hope that um, the time we spent together praying intentionally as a church around God's leading of us for this year, I, I pray that that would, would continue to be a blessing. And I, I pray for special moments all throughout the year that you might pause and look back and say, my year is different this year because we dedicated that entire month of January to praying and inviting God to lead us in to 2023. And so we, we will continue to do a month of prayer every January as a way of, of setting ourselves um, a right posture before God as we begin a new year. And then also in January, we were able to celebrate 20 years as the Sanctuary Covenant Church. Were you blessed by our 20th anniversary celebration? It, it was an incredible time, and there were there was a lot of moving parts, but I, I told our staff a couple different times that we had an excuse to just throw a great big party. How often do you just get an excuse to throw a party? And that, that really was what it became, a celebration of God's faithfulness over 20 long years of serving here in the city of Minneapolis, particularly in the community of North Minneapolis. There are a number of churches that started out around the time that we did, and they are no longer around. And so for some reason, God saw fit to, to preserve the Sanctuary Covenant Church, and we had an incredible time of celebrating, um, getting to hear from our founding pastor, uh, Pastor Ephraim Smith, and his wife, Sister Danisha, and we, we look forward to living out and living into that mission and vision this year here at the Sanctuary Covenant Church. And then last Saturday, after all that good churching all month long, we decided to have an annual meeting as well. Um, and, and we had the privilege of saying yes and affirming three new elders into our church body. Uh, I see a couple of them here today, so I want to shout them out. Sister Isetta Collins uh, is a new elder here at the sanctuary. <laughs> Sister Joyce Gale in the back is, is uh, if you just wave your hand, Sister Joyce, is a new elder here. And then I don't know if Brother Eric, Eric Robinson, I don't know if he's here this morning or if he was at the earlier service. Eric Robinson is also a longtime sanctuary member and was voted as an elder. <laughs> These folks love God and love our church and um, have said yes to a three-year term of 
partnering with me and the rest of the staff team to serve as spiritual leaders within the context of our church. And so I want to invite you to be praying for Sister Azetta, Sister Joyce, and Brother Eric, and all of our elders and all of our staff as we seek to, to lead this wonderful church together over these next several years. Each year about this time, I, I set aside some time for us to reflect on the, the history of the sanctuary, but also specifically on uh, the theme that we will be pursuing, pursuing together as a church. And since we just came off of our 20th anniversary, we've done a lot of, of reflecting on the first 20 years of sanctuary. I won't do a ton of that today, but I do want to spend the time that we have left together today talking a little bit about our 2023 theme for us as a church. And our theme this year is people of the book. People of the book. In fact, we are together as a sanctuary covenant church, we are people of the book. When I say, say we are people of the book, we are people who take seriously the word of God, that our life together as a church, who we are striving to be as a church, is not just something that, that we, we hold a finger in the, in the air and see where the winds of the day are blowing, and then we try to match what the world is doing, that we as a church are pursuing our life together in a particular kind of way because of God's word, that when we look at God's word, we feel we are being called to be a particular kind of church in this particular neighborhood at this particular time. And so over the course of the next six weeks, we're, we're going to spend some time in a series that we're calling People of the Book, where we really wrestle with what it means for us to be guided by the scriptures, the holy word of God in our life together. And then throughout the rest of the year, we'll have a number of sermon series and another of formational opportunities that will help us as a church to center God's word in our life together. Amen? We are people of the book. What makes a church a church? What is it exactly that defines a church? That's a very different question, Sanctuary Family, than if I had asked you, what do you like about church? When I say what makes a church a church, I'm asking what are the defining marks of the church? What are the defining marks of a biblical community called the church? Often people assume that because we are non-traditional in some ways as a church, that we're a non-denominational church. We're not. We're part of a family of churches, a denomination called the Covenant Church. It's a small family of churches, about 400 or so churches that, that span the United States. And together, when we think about what it means to be a church, here's a definition that we use. The church is a community of God's redeemed people living together, being shaped by God's revelation of God's self. A church is a community of God's redeemed people living together, worshiping together, doing life together, and being shaped by God's revelation of God's self. The church is a community. We are not called to be alone on this journey called life. The church is a gathering of God's people. We are created by God and we belong to God. We are a group of people who have been redeemed. We have been saved by grace through faith 
in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a church. And these redeemed people who've been called together, we've been called together not simply to to dress up on Sunday and sit next to each other or or to drink mediocre coffee, no no, uh, shade to our hospitality team. We're called to do more than come together and sing and drink coffee. We've been called together to worship, to share life, to live together in community. I love how Ephesians 2 and 19 says it. We are no longer foreigners and strangers, but we are fellow citizens with God's people, and we are members of the household of God. We are redeemed people called together by God. And as we do this, as we live this calling out, as we share in one another's lives, we are led and we are shaped by God showing up and helping us to see who God really is. We are transformed, brothers and sisters, from who we were to who we are being called to be as God shows up and shows us who God really is. A few years ago, I was in Nashville, Tennessee, speaking at a national youth ministry conference. Before I went into adult ministry, I spent about a decade in children's ministry and youth ministry, and I had the opportunity to go to a large national conference in Nashville and speak on the subject of of urban youth ministry and multi-ethnic youth ministry. And, And the conference was all day on Friday, and it was all day on Saturday, and I had a flight uh, to, to fly back to Minneapolis on Sunday afternoon. And, and so being a certified church boy, I wanted to find a church there in Tennessee to attend. And so I, I went on, on, on the Googles and I began uh, to look for a church there in Nashville. And, and I think I, I may have typed something in like, at like Sunday service or something. And this was way before Kanye uh, came along and did his thing around Sunday service. But I found something in the city of Nashville that was actually called Sunday Service. And there was a video there on the website of, of this thing called Sunday Service. And it, it said this. Here's what it said about itself. It says, when you come to Sunday Service, here's what you can expect. Upbeat quality music. A welcoming, warm environment. An encouraging message, but without all the Bible stuff. They actually said in the video, this is a part of their own promotion, it's like church, but without the stuff you don't really want. Needless to say, I didn't go to that Sunday service. (laughs) But this was, for me, a good reminder of the temptation that we see in our world today. It's the temptation of being something like a church, but without the very essentials that make church church. The church is a community of God's redeemed people living together and being shaped as God shows up and reveals God's self to us. Here's the interesting thing, though, about Revelation. We can't force Revelation. We we can't make God to show up in a certain kind of way. If God is to be known by us at all sanctuary, It is because God makes himself known to us. God decides whether or not to reveal God's self to God's people. There's something that that, Bible scholars talk about and theologians talk about called general revelation. Can you say that general revelation? General revelation is, is the ways in which God shows up 
generally, naturally in the world, and regardless of whether one is a believer or not, they can experience some sense of who God is based on this general revelation. You can look at nature and get some sense of who God is. You look at the world and you can tell that God is creative, that God is nurturing, that God cares about growth and development and change. You can look at the world and tell that in God's economy, there are times that things will start and there are times that some things will end. We can look at nature and get a general revelation of who God is. It's sort of like somebody who perhaps works downtown Minneapolis. You know those wild days when people used to go downtown to work? into an office and stuff. Uh, imagine you go into your office and, and you're, you're in the cafeteria getting a coffee and you see a, a person on the other side of the, the cafeteria and they're getting a drink as well. And you're like, uh, that person looks familiar. I don't know where I know them from, but there's something about them that seems familiar. And imagine over the next weeks and months, every time you go to the cafeteria, they in the cafeteria getting coffee. You can assume just by that pattern that this person really loves coffee. You still don't know their name. You don't know anything about them, but you can assume some things just because every time I see this person, they're drinking coffee. Now imagine when that person is going back and forth, getting coffee all day and all all throughout the week. They have on a, a new, different, nice pair of shoes every time. You can assume That person really likes nice shoes. You still don't know them. You don't know their name. You don't know what they do in the company. You don't know where they live, but you're somewhat familiar with them. You know they like coffee and you know they like nice shoes. That's that's sort of what general revelation is. You, You can get a sense of who God is just by watching God's activity in the world. But there's something beyond general revelation that God calls us to. Can you say special revelation? Special revelation is God's way of showing God's self to us in a personal way, coming into a personal relationship with God, and not just knowing God in a general sense, but really knowing God in a personal way. The Bible tells us that God shows up in a very personal way in this special revelation through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ. That's, that's where we get special revelation of who God is. That's where we go beyond the general sense of who God is. When we, when we look at the life of Jesus, the person and work of Jesus, and we look at the word of God, then we begin to understand truly who God is. Here, here's how, how Hebrews 1 says it. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets Many time, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. If you want to know God beyond the general sense, you've got to know God through his son, Jesus Christ, and you get to know God through his word. So sanctuary, it, it is not by accident that I am calling us this year to proclaim over ourselves and over our lives that we are people of the book. Because if we are to know God 
And if we are to know who we are called to be in God, we must see the ways in which God has revealed himself to us. God reveals himself to us in his word. And when he does it, it's not simply for us to have a bunch of knowledge. Sometimes we, we learn the Bible and we become really familiar with the Bible and it causes our, our head to get really puffed up. And, and somebody asks you how you're doing and, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> you can't have a real conversation because you've got to quote scripture, whether it makes sense to the other person or not. You just have a goal of, of quoting several scriptures a day. That's not what God reveals himself to us for. When God reveals himself to us through his word, the purpose is to form us into a people, into God's people. We are a sanctuary covenant church. We are together people of the book. Psalm 119, 63 is a, a particularly important passage for our denomination, the covenant church. In its founding, there, there was a famous passage preached by a young pastor as this denomination was forming and, and, and for, shaping its identity. And, and that passage says this, once, Psalm 119, verse 63, I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. That We are called to be a people. And what brings us together, what holds us together, what draws us together is the fact that we fear God, that we, we want to know God and, and follow after God, and we call ourselves friends and brothers of all others who follow after God's law as well. Sanctuary, we are, we are people of the book from yesterday. That, that's my first point today. We, we are people of the book from yesterday. If I were at a barbershop down the street on Broadway, I'd say it like this. When it, when it comes to being people of the book, we are new to this. We're not new to this. We are true to this. That's the ESV. That's the Edron Standard Version. When it comes to being people of the book, we are not, true to, we are not new to this. We are true to this. Sanctuary has always been a church that has taken the Bible seriously. When we look at our founding documents, Pastor Ephraim, a young pastor over 20 years ago, starting this church, said that discipleship will serve as the core of what sanctuary is as a church. He knew that we could not be a multi-ethnic church if we were not rooted in the scriptures. He knew we could not be a justice-centered church if we were not rooted in the Bible. He knew that we could not be a church that, that lasted and served North Minneapolis well if we were not rooted in the Bible. The, the kind of ministry that we're trying to do is too hard to simply be out here doing it because it seems cool in the moment. And if we were here simply to, to get followers on social media or, or to get attention from, 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 from the Star Tribune, we would have closed our doors a long time ago. And so of all the things that people might say about us, what I'm most concerned about them saying about us is that we are here at the Sanctuary Covenant Church. We are people of the book. And we're not new to this. We are true to this. As long as we've been a church, this has been a part of our DNA. And in fact, before we existed as a church, long before we existed as a church, covenant people have been people of the book. Before there was a covenant church, 
we, we were part of the Swedish Lutheran Church in the 1800s over in Sweden. And, and, and in, in Sweden, they had a state church where the state held, they were responsible for the church. They were responsible for the teachings. People were not allowed to study the Bible personally. There was someone who was appointed to teach you the Bible. But our covenant ancestors said, if the Bible was really important for all of us, if it really is the center of our lives together, if it really is the source of all spiritual life, we believe that the Bible should be in the hands of all people and read by all people. And so those covenanters, those early covenanters, they broke the law and they began having small group Bible studies called conventicles. They, they were so out there that they said, hey, let's break the law. Let's go read the Bible. That's in our DNA. That even when, when, when the state said, you can't read the Bible, the Bible says what we, says, what, what we say it says, our covenant ancestors said, no, if the Bible is the source of all our spiritual life, then all people should be able to read and handle the Bible themselves. We have been people of the book from the very beginning. And that means that our denomination and our church, we are drawn together and we are held together by our commitment to God and our commitment to God's word. So we study the Bible in some particular kinds of ways. Five quick ways that we study the Bible. We, we, we read the Bible as covenant people. And you, you can like, take notes of this because this is important. We, we read the Bible as covenant people. We read it faithfully. We read it faithfully. We, we read in faith. When we read the Bible, we believe as we engage the Bible that a holy God meets us in our study of the Bible. And so the Bible, again, is not about head knowledge. The Bible is a way of us engaging with the God of all creation. And so we read the Bible that way. We, we read the Bible communally. The Bible is not simply about your coffee and your, your, your individual devotion and what the scripture means to you that day. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the only way to read the Bible. We read the Bible together in community, and we read the Bible in light of the historic church long before the Sanctuary Covenant Church came into existence. There's over 2,000 years of history of how Christians have understood the Bible. And so we don't have the option today to just decide that the Bible means something totally different than it's always meant. We don't get to change the rules. We read the Bible communally in light of the historic church. We read the Bible faithfully, communally, and we read it rigorously. We realize that the Bible is an ancient text, that it comes to us across time and distance and culture and that means if we're going to understand what the Bible really means for us together, that we read it with study and careful thought. We read the Bible charitably. That means we acknowledge that there may be differing interpretations of some passages within the Bible. And who are we to imagine that we have a perfect understanding of all of the entire Bible? We read it charitably toward one another, and we read it holistically. What, what, what is transforming about the Bible is not that one passage that you've been quoting over your life for your entire life. The story and the power of the Bible is the entire Bible together. 
The entire narrative of God showing up in the world and what God has done through his son. Why do you think you've been quoting Jeremiah 29 over your life and your life hasn't changed? Because you're not supposed to look at one verse to get the entirety of the Bible. It can inspire you. It can encourage you that one verse can. But to get the grasp, the power of the Bible, we've got to look at the Bible holistically. We read faithfully, communally, rigorously, charitably, and holistically. We are people of the book, and we are not new to this. We are true to this. Not only are we people of the book from yesterday, we are people of the book for today. Somebody's wondering, Pastor, why, why is this the sermon today? Why is this the series today? Why is this our theme for this year? Because we, as a people, need to be rooted in God's word. When I, when I look at our world, there are a lot of people talking, and excuse my English, they ain't saying nothing. When we look at this identity of being people of the book, we, we take it seriously because we need to be rooted in God's word. And, and when we read God's word together, we, we want to hear from God. We, we want to know what God has to say about this world, about our lives, about our church, about our marriages, about our children, about our finances. We want to hear from God on all of these subjects and more. Not God and Oprah. Not God and Red Table Talk, not God and Dr. Oz, the old Dr. Oz, not God. Why would we place any weight on some 20-year-old YouTuber that we just discovered the other night when we couldn't sleep? Why would you cater your whole life to the opinion of somebody just because they can do video editing? We need a timeless truth. We need a, a deep roots that come to us from God's word. And all of us are looking for truth. All of us are looking for wisdom. And what I want to encourage you is to, to know that we have truth. We have the word of God. We are people of the book for today. Here's how, here's how our covenant ancestors said it. They say it is essential then to the life of the church that a church be a company of people who desire to live their lives shaped by the powerful and living word of God. The alternative is clear. I would write this down if I were you. It's, it's really good. This part. Not to be shaped by God's word is to be shaped by the world. When we refuse to be shaped by God's word, we can't help but be shaped by the world. On every side, there are attractive and persuasive voices that urge us towards conformity to the wisdom of this age. There is no escaping these voices. Our phones listen to us and send ads <laughs> that, that, that seem to answer questions that, that we aren't intentionally even wanting answers for. Nobody asked you, Siri. There is a multi-billion dollar industry built around wisdom. And if we are not intentional about seeking wisdom from God's word first, there will be all sorts of information implanted in our hearts and minds, guiding our lives. And we wonder why we're falling apart as a people. 
It's like people who build their, their houses on sand. The Bible talks about this. Jesus, in fact, Matthew 7 says this. Jesus calls those people who build their houses on sand, he calls them foolish. I, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The winds came down, the streams rose, and the the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The, wind, the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. In life, if you're wondering, why, why do we need to be people of the book? Why does it matter whether or not we, we have built our lives on Jesus? Because in your life, and it may be happening right now, the rains will come. The winds will blow. The waters will rise. Sickness will attack your body. You will lose a loved one that you thought you could not live without. And when the wisdom of this world proves that it is limited in its ability to help you, you need something to hold on to. And in those moments, brothers and sisters, and hopefully you, you, you can get this lesson now before you actually need it, in those moments when life comes at us hard, we realize that God's word is a lamp unto our feet. God's word is a light unto our path. God's word is our sword and our shield. God's word is our roadmap and our guidebook. God's word is our anchor on the seas of life. God's word is a root system that when the winds blow, we might rock side to side, but we won't fall over because we're rooted in God. God's word, my brother, my sister, is our firm foundation. And if we've been fed a steady diet of the world and only munched on God's word for 20 minutes or so each week when we need to be rooted, brothers and sisters. I'm afraid we won't be able to withstand the things that life will will throw at us. And so today is an invitation to get rooted in the word. Build your house, your life, your relationships, your career. Raise your children on a firm foundation that is the word of God. I'm, I'm getting older. I feel it in my body. I, I see it in my face. <laughs> you know, pretty soon I'll be 20 years in ministry. And there was a time in ministry where I, I felt like it was my job to convince everybody that I was their friend. I didn't really want to be everybody's friend, but I felt like a part of the job was helping people feel like, oh, Pastor Edmonds, he's good friend of mine. I don't feel that way anymore. (laughs) I I can't waste my time trying to make everybody feel like I want to be their friend. I want to be very honest and transparent about the part I play in your lives. My my job in your life is to help you become people of the book. The, The work that I do 
If, if you and I are friendly, but you're not growing in your faith, I have failed you as your pastor. And everybody feels like they want a cool pastor, right? They want a hip pastor. They want to have their pastor's cell phone number to text them. I owe you more than that. And so I just want to be very frank and upfront. My work in your life is to help you grow in Jesus, to help you grow as people of the book. That's what I want to be judged by. Not whether or not we went to get wings together, and I'm down for wings, but it has to be more. It has to be more than that. We, we are people of the book from yesterday. We are, we are people of the book today, and I'm about to take my seat, and I, I don't mean that in a black church kind of way. Um, we are people of the book for tomorrow. There's a question that I often get from parents especially, and sometimes they don't ask the question directly. They'll, they'll ask the question in a different kind of way. It's, it's a burden that, that all of us who are parents and, and aunties and uncles and grandparents, all of us wrestle with this question. It's the question of, will our children have faith? Will, will this faith that was passed down to us make it Another generation. Will our children come to faith and will they hold on to their faith? The question is, what kind of stewards will we be of the truth that has been passed down to us? Like our children and our children's children and our children's children's children if they are to encounter God's word and be transformed by the word of God, this redeeming word that we've been saved by, we, the church, together, not just parents, all of us together, must intentionally proclaim the word of God over the lives of our children. So it's not a question of whether or not our children will have faith. That ultimately is up to God. The question for us is, will we be good stewards of the word? Will we do our part? And the reality is that Christians haven't always done their part. We, we've said we love God and we've said we love God's word, but we haven't always been good stewards of God's word. Pastor, what do you mean by that? It's Black History Month, so I, I get to tell a little, little history today. I started with the story of a conference in Nashville, Tennessee, a few years ago. And I want to take you back to Nashville one more time because it's a beautiful city. I, I really like it. Frisk University is an HBCU located in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a wonderful school. It has a rich history. It has a, a, a medical school, Meharry Medical College, attached to it where many of the black doctors and nurses, a vast number of them have come through Fisk and Meharry. But Fisk is also known for something else. Fisk University owns one of the most incredible historic artifacts that this, this country, particularly among Christian institutions, has ever seen. They are one of three owners in the entire world of what's known as the Slave Bible. The Slave Bible. Some of you may have heard of it before. The Slave Bible is a Bible in the 1800s. British missionaries, they, they took 
the, the King James Version of the Bible, the Bible that was in circulation at that time, and they cut out all parts of the Bible that might be empowering or liberating for those who were in slavery. And so they gave slaves Bibles to teach them to read and to indoctrinate them, but they took out all the parts that might somehow liberate them. So you know what they did? They, they went to the Old Testament and they cut out 90% of the Old Testament. All the stories of God's people being enslaved in Egypt and being called out of Egypt and the miracles God did in freeing God's people and leading them to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, these British missionaries, they cut all of that out. And then they went over to the New Testament and they cut out about 50% of the New Testament. They kept the parts that said, slaves, love your masters, because that was useful for them. But they cut out the parts that says there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. They, they cut that out. And they cut out the stories from the book of Revelation where it says in the end that all people from every nation and tribe and language and tongue would worship together around God's throne. They cut that out because it was too liberating. Those, those British missionaries, they were given a gift, which was the Bible. But instead of passing on what God had blessed them to be able to come into contact with, they decided to manipulate the Bible so that they could maintain control over these black bodies. It was economically important for them beneficial for them to keep black folks enslaved. And so they took something precious, the word of God, and they cut it up so they could maintain their power. But what those British missionaries didn't realize, something many people over generations have lost track of, is that even when we don't do right by God's word, God will do right by God's word. And that same Bible that was supposed to keep people subjugated and keep people docile and weak became a source of liberation for those same people. And I want to call us today's sanctuary in the tradition of those black bodies who rose up despite the action of these missionaries and who said at the threat of death, keep your hands off that book. I want to call us to be that kind of people. I want to call us to remember that this is not our book. We are people of the book but the book doesn't belong to us. It's God's book first. And we just have the privilege of engaging with it. God loves us and speaks to us through this book. 
God meets with us and, and communes with us in this book. God forms us and shapes us and God heals us with this book. But this book doesn't belong to us in the sense that we can do anything we want to with this book. Those brothers and sisters who, who, many of them who lost their lives for reading the entirety of the Bible, realized that the book didn't belong to those slave-supporting missionaries. This is God's book. They realized that this book didn't belong to their slave masters. This is God's book. This book was not just some contraption that men could cut and paste and edit. Whatever parts didn't suit their, their agenda, this is God's book. This book has been preserved over generations because this is God's book. This book has been studied and scrutinized and attacked, and it's still here because this is God's book sanctuary. And if we are to experience together all that God has in store for us, we've got to get back to God's book. In this community, 20 years now, and there are a lot of things said about the Sanctuary Covenant Church. People call us that church next to the liquor store. They call us that church across from Cub. They call us that church where black and white folks come together. That's strange for a lot of people. They're like, what in the world? They call us the hip-hop church. That's what we used to be. For a lot of people, that's how we first came to know us. People were literally spinning on their heads in the church. And for some people, that's who sanctuary is. Some people call us the, the justice church, the reconciliation church. Some people call us the church that loves this community because we show up for this community in real and tangible ways. I'm cool with most of the things people call our church, most of them. But in all the things that people call us, my prayer for this year specifically is that they will also call us people of the book. Because there are, there are many things that the culture says churches should be doing right now that in five years, the culture's gonna be like, oops, we were wrong about that. And there, there are many things right now that seems cool for churches to do. But in a few years, we realized that we were never called to that. If we are to be who God has called us to be, it will be because we read and study and meditate and build our lives around God's Word. We have been we are right now, and we will be people of the book because the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you, God, that you have called us to be your people in the world. Thank you, God, that we're not out here with our finger up in the air, trying to get a sense of where the winds of this age are blowing. 
Thank you, God, that we have a timeless truth. We have wisdom. We have a word that is alive and active. Thank you, God, that everything that we are called to be as a church, that you've placed it in your word. God, we've not perfected it. We've not even scratched the surface of all you've called us to do. But God, I'm grateful to be able to say that we stand in the tradition of people who take the Bible seriously. We love our neighbors, not because it seems cool to do, but because the Bible calls us to this. We, we embrace the diversity that is in this room, not because it seems cool. And, and some strategists said it will help us to grow our church. We do it because of the vision that we see of the church. We forgive each other because the Bible calls us to. We serve one another because we're called to. We do the things that we do because our big brother, Jesus, modeled those things for us. So Lord, thank you that over the course of this year, we get to wrestle with what it means to be people of the book. Thank you, God, even now for how you will mature us, how you will grow us, not just in number, but also in maturity and depth. Thank you, God, that you are moving us from, from milk to meat. You are growing us up as a church. And I pray and anticipate the lives that will be changed, the healings that will take place, the restoration that will be experienced. But God, we know it won't be easy. We know the enemy would want nothing more than us to give up on this. And so we pray that you would be a fence all around us. Guard us, God, as we pursue your heart together. God, we look forward to all the ways that you'll show up, all the ways that you'll bless us, all the ways that you will meet us as we pursue being people of the book. We love you, Jesus, and we're grateful that you first loved us. Be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people say together, amen. Can we stand together? We're going to end our service today with communion. Just as you're heading out the door, we're going to take communion together. Within our, our denomination, the Covenant Church, there are two sacred practices that we recognize. One is baptism and the other is communion. So today we want to share in communion together. You should have received the communion elements on your way in the door, but if you did not, can you just hold your hand up? Our hospitality team will be happy to help you. We have a couple in the front that need it. Just keep your hands up. They'll make their way around to serve everybody. If you're watching at home today, you can grab some bread, some water, some, some crackers or some juice. Any of that will suffice for today. We share a communion together every first Sunday of the month. And it is a privilege for us to join with billions around the world who remember the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus together in this way.
On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may now go ahead and eat the bread. Later that night after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement between God and man in my blood. And he said, as often as you drink of this cup, do this in remembrance of me. You may now drink together. The apostle Paul goes on to say, that as often as we, as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We model what it is to follow after Jesus. We model what it is to be committed to God and to one another. And here's what our faith teaches us, that in some mysterious way, as we share in communion, that God is with us. That God is here that God is growing us and forming us and nurturing us even now as we remember his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Sanctuary family, we are people of the book. We're not just out here making stuff up. We are pursuing God together. And my prayer for each of you, first of all, is that there is not a hint of shame or guilt over you if you've not been a Bible person before. If nobody's ever taken the time to expose you to the scriptures or to teach you how to read and study the Bible, that's not your fault. Let the shame and the guilt go. That's not the intent of any of this. This is an invitation. This is an invitation to say there is life in the word of God. There is peace and hope and joy in the Word of God. And this is an invitation to say, wherever you are, spend some time this week asking God, what, what is that next step for me? How can I begin to get into the Word and let this Word get into me? Maybe you, you need to download the Bible app and just get you a Bible reading plan. Let it send you a reminder every day to just read a little bit of Scripture. Write down the questions that you have and, and begin to talk to somebody. Find somebody in the church. Join a life group. If you can't find anybody to connect to around reading the Word of God, email us, hello at sanctuarycub.org. We'll get you connected. My hope is that every single one of us, wherever we are, will take a step forward this year and engage in with God's Word. And I promise you, I promise you, your life will be different. Father, thank you so much for the time we've had to be together today. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the ways in which, God, you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness in your word. Thank you for every brother and sister who thought it not robbery to give of their time this week to sit under your teaching. To, to lift up holy hands and sing together. And God, I know that you have been working in our hearts and minds as we've experienced this together. 
Now, God, as we press into the rest of this year, we pray that you would meet us as we dig into your word. May our lives be changed. May our families be blessed. May, may our, 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 our hurts be healed. May relationships be restored. Everything that the enemy has stolen from us, God, we pray that you would give it back tenfold. We believe, God, that you are with us and for us. God, bless this place we call sanctuary. Bless these people we call sanctuary. Bless this community of North Minneapolis. We pray for prosperity for the people here, for peace, for hope and healing for the people of this community, for our neighbors, for our brothers and sisters. God, thank you that we, Sanctuary, get to be a part of that work. Bless us now and as we go, but remind us, God, that you are always with us and for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us as faultless before his glorious presence with exceeding joy. To the, all, to the all wise God, our Savior, be all glory, honor, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. Sanctuary family, would you join me by saying amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.